Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, welcome to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Blue Ridge. And whether you're streaming with us today, whether you're here in person, we are glad that you're here. And if this is your first time here, we really mean what we say in that welcome video. We're not going to make you shake hands with everybody. We're not all going to stand up and clap for you. We're not going to do anything weird. And contrary to what your friend told you that invited you to watch with them or to come to church with them, you do not have to buy them lunch after church. All right. As a matter of fact, they should buy you lunch after church. You tell them, hey, Pastor Scott said that since we came with you that you should buy us lunch. But we are thrilled that you've joined us. And honestly, I think we're all here and we're all watching at a really good time because today we're kicking off uh, a much needed, a long overdue series on parenting. Parenting perception versus reality. And what we're going to talk about in this series is the challenges that we face when it comes uh, to being parents. We're going to talk about how do we strengthen the family unit. We're going to look at some of the myths about parenting versus the truths uh, about parenting. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, oh, great. This series is going to be a bust for me because I don't have any kids or I don't have any grandparents. No, I I think this series is going to be helpful to all of us. Because you think about it, in a room this large and with the people that are faithfully streaming every week, we've got all kinds of people represented. We've got new parents, and we've got parents that have been parents for quite a while, and we've got grandparents, right? You know how to identify the grandparents? They're the ones that are going to fall asleep about halfway through today's talk. And then you've got, which, which are my favorite, the empty nesting parents, Right? They're the ones, they got the big grin on their face all the time. Their wallet is just a little fatter than everybody else's wallet. You know who I'm talking about. But there's also the group of people that don't have kids. Or maybe the group of people that don't want kids, that don't even want to be around kids. You're you're the ones that we always like to sit beside in the restaurant. You know, you think you're going to have a nice, peaceful meal and there's not going to be any kids you know, there, uh, well, shock. But uh, this series is going to be good because we're not just talking about how to raise kids or how to be a great grandparent. We're talking really about healthy relationships. And, and unless you just crawled out from underneath a rock, you, whether you have kids or not, are going to encounter kids and teens and youth for your entire lifetime. So it's important to know, you know, what role, if any, even if we're not parents, do we have from God when it comes to influencing children in a godly way? And so here's why I think we need this series. I found this quote a couple weeks ago. It was from King Edward VIII, who who didn't stay in power very long, but from the 30s. and, And he said this, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their children. Right? That's so true. There's so many kids that are the CEOs of the house and they're sitting in the corner office and they're directing everything that's going on in the family. I just recently went to Canada on a fishing trip 
And uh, part of it, I'm on a plane, and then I drove like 760 miles with a buddy of mine once I got off the plane in Chicago. But on the plane, there was two really unruly kids. And if you've ever been on a plane with unruly kids, that's a little distracting. And you could tell that people were getting irritated, that the dad wasn't saying anything to these kids. And finally, somebody had the nerve to speak up, and this guy taps the dad on the shoulder, and he says, are those your two kids? And the dad's like, yeah, they're my two kids. And the dad says, do you have kids? He said, no, I'd do anything to have two kids. And then all of a sudden, you know, the plain demeanor just kind of changed. People felt bad for judging these unruly kids. And the dad asked the guy, he said, you don't have kids? He said, no, I got five kids. I would just do anything to have two kids. Right? You know, I'm setting you up. But any of you that are a parent, any of you that are a grandparent, you can relate to that because raising kids isn't easy. And it will try your last nerve. Nobody understands how frustrating it can be and how challenging it can be, yet how rewarding having kids is. And I've mentioned this before, but before you have kids, you think it's going to be easy. Right? You see people like me that's a parent, and you're like, well, that guy can do it. Anybody can do it. Anybody can be a parent. It's kind of like when you see somebody that has a puppy, right? And you're like, oh, I could get a puppy. Having a puppy wouldn't be that much difficult, difficulty. But once you become a parent, the cold, hard truth sets in. This is not easy. I'm not trained for this. I'm not qualified for this. I don't know what I'm doing, Right? You think it's easy until you get into that situation and you realize, I don't know what I'm doing. And most parents today, like all of us, you're learning as you go. You're learning as you go. And if you, so if you're watching, if you're a kid or a teenager and you're watching with your parents or you're here with your parents, let me let you in on a little secret. Your parents have no idea what they're doing, <laughs> Right? We think when we're young, we think our parents should know everything. They should have the answer to every problem. They should know how to handle every situation. They should be experts in every area. And we think they are, but the truth is they are learning as they go because things change so quick. It's really hard to learn from one generation to the next because the challenges are different. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's extremely difficult to be a parent. It's even hard being a grandparent. When we had our first kid christened and we brought her home from the hospital, man, if she made a peep in her room, we were in there, right? We're checking the covers, making sure the diaper's dry, you know, making sure the temperature in the room is right. Fast forward three years and that kid's now three years old and we're stressed. We've got a few gray hairs, some wrinkles, Right? The challenges of parenting are really starting to weigh on us. And that same kid, now three years old, comes into our bedroom at 2 o'clock in the morning and wakes us up. Says, hey, I'm having nightmares. Being the loving, compassionate, sensitive parents we were, we said, everybody has nightmares. Now get back in the bed. <laughs> right? You know how it is. It is very difficult. I think parenting, aside from marriage... It's the hardest thing that you will ever do. Marriage by far, I think, is the hardest thing. And then kids 
is a close second. So let's look at a few reasons why parenting is so difficult. First of all, I think parenting is so difficult is because life doesn't slow down just because we're a parent and just because we have a lot of things that we need to get done. Right? It seems like we're chasing our kids from one stage of life to the next stage of life because life is so quick. I know my brother will remember, but my dad uh, told us that when we had kids, our life was going to fly by. And he was right. I mean, it's one minute you bring your child home from the hospital, and then all of a sudden they're a toddler. And then you're standing in line to register them for kindergarten. Then they're in middle school, then in their high school and then they're gone. I love what David said about the brevity of life. He said in Psalm 39, 5, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. It seems like when we're raising kids in the moment that it's going to last forever, but then before you know it, it's like a breath and it's gone. I think another reason that parenting is so hard is every kid is different. Our daughters, Nicole and Kristen, they're, they're opposites in a lot of ways. Why? Because God wires every single one of us uniquely and differently. Romans 12, 6 says this, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. God's given us different gifts, different abilities, different personalities, right? In the same household, you can have all kinds of personalities, different hearts. You know, I love to do this. This child doesn't know, you know, love to do that, all these different quirks. So therefore, because we're all wired differently, that makes parenting a challenge because you can't use the same techniques for each kid. If you've got multiple kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We figured this out when our youngest, Nicole, was about two years old. She doesn't respond to things the same way that Kristen responds to things. She's not motivated by the same things. Now, you can try to raise your kids the exact same way using the exact same procedures, and I guarantee you, you'll fail. Again, it's because God wired all of us different. What else makes parenting hard? What I alluded to earlier each generation is different, and each generation faces different challenges when it comes to parenting. So it's hard to learn from the next generation or the previous generation to the next generation of exactly how to parent. You may be able to learn some techniques, but the challenges are going to be different. I think about when my, you know, like when my mom and dad grew up, you know, single parenting was almost unheard of. It was mostly two-parent families. And, and, and my, my dad's mom and dad, they probably the only thing they had to worry about was him skipping school or cursing or smoking cigarettes. But now the dynamics change. I, I think even when I grew up, it wasn't totally innocent, but we didn't have the internet. My mom and dad didn't have to deal with the internet. Pornography was very rare. Sexual predators, almost unheard of. In my generation, definitely in their generation, it'd be rare, but it wasn't frequent. In my generation, they were just figuring out ADD. You know, if the teacher called my mom and dad into a conference with the, the principal and said, oh, little Scotty can't concentrate, the principal would probably say, well, duh, he's seven. <laughs> right? Every generation's different. And look at the generation now. The whole parenting dynamic has changed. 
You've got a lot of single parents, which, by the way, if you're a single parent, every time I talk about single parents, I say this, God bless you. It's incredible what you're able to do. It, it amazes me. But we got single parents. We got blended families. We've got co-parenting situations. You've got same gender parents. You've got grandparents raising kids. You've got foster homes and you're raising foster children. You, you've got adoptive parents. It's just getting more and more complicated. And because each generation has to face something different, it makes it a challenge. Now, let me also say this as we kind of kick off this series, whether I'm talking or whether Matt's talking, I, we are not experts on parenting. I am not an expert on parenting. I mean, you met my kids, right? I may have made a few mistakes along the way, right? And I may say, oh, this is what we need to do. It doesn't mean I've done it consistently. It doesn't mean I've done it well. Because I'm learning this whole process, and I've been learning this whole process just like you since I've been a parent. But one of the things that I've discovered, and, and over the years, even when I was in corporate America, I've talked to a lot of people about their problems and their difficulties in life. And anytime I talk to somebody about their problems and their difficulties, they can always pinpoint the source of their problems and their difficulties. And one thing I've never, ever heard anybody say is, hey, Scott, this all started when I didn't make the high school basketball team. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's ever said, hey, Scott, the reason I'm having difficulty and problems in my marriage is because my dad made me drive a used car. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's ever said the reason I don't get along with my coworkers is because I couldn't wear Nike tennis shoes in middle school. Nobody's ever said that. Or I struggle with authority, Scott, because I missed my friend's eighth grade party. Or the reason I'm anxious and the reason I'm depressed and the reason I'm struggling is because we never went on vacation when I was young. Nobody's ever used any of those excuses as to why they are the way they are. So here's the point I'm getting to. We as parents focus on things in our kids' lives that have very little, if anything, to do with what's going to happen to them when they're an adult. Think about that. That's so important. It's going to be a learning. So if you're following with our notes, you can scan the QR code. You should download that Church Center app. If you're watching online, they'll send you a link. But learning number one, as parents, we tend to focus on things in our kids' lives that have little to do with what's going to happen to them as adults. So there's a disconnect in between the way we're parenting in a lot of cases and what's actually going to happen to our kids when they become grown adults. But we don't believe that. We do not believe this learning at all. So what do we do? We compete with other parents through our children. We can become consumed with making sure our kids are playing every sport and they're on the, the best teams and they're involved in every club and they go to every birthday party. They, they stay fashionable and cool. But the truth is today, kids lack meaningful relationships. They've got all the experiences in the world. 
They've had all the experiences of the world. They got all the toys and electronic gadgets that the world can offer, but they're suffering. Kids today are suffering in relationships. And I think, I, you know, I kind of get why. Every generation wants the next generation to have it a little bit better than they had it. Right? I know my mom and dad wanted us to have things that they didn't have. And I want my kids to have things that I didn't have. But when we do that, we hurt our child's relationship with us and we hurt our child's relationship with others if it's excessive. I mean, everybody gets to practice on time, right? Everybody makes good grades. Everybody participates in the events at school, but we rarely sit down and have dinner together as families. We rarely sit down and just talk and communicate and enjoy each other's company because we're constantly always on the go. And our measuring stick for success is how well our kids are performing in their sports or what their GPA is. Here's probably a way to understand this. Think about marriage for a minute. And if you're married, think about some of the problems you've had in your marriage. And if you're married and you say, well, we've never had any problems, and A, you're lying, or B, you're living in total denial. But think about some of those problems we have in our marriage. You know, our communication skills, uh, our outburst of anger, how we can't control our emotions like jealousy. Those problems that we have in our marriage have little to nothing to do with whether our parents took us to Disney World. Think about that for a minute. Because the reason we can't get along with people in the workplace and the reason we struggle in our marriage and the reason as adults we walk around sometimes with a chip on our shoulder, it has nothing to do with whether we got an A or B in trigonometry class. Think about it. Think about some famous Hollywood people that have incredible experiences. You know, they have money to buy any experience they want in the world. Their, their life has been full of experiences, but their relationships are horrible. I think of people like Charlie Sheen and, and Nicolas Cage and, and uh, Amanda Bynes and Lindsay Lohan, the lady, uh, Britney Spears, who's been in the news a lot. They had every experience that life could offer, yet they suffered in their relationships. And you know what's really scary? Me knowing that and me knowing that I need to focus on the relationships with my kids does not stop me from wanting to make sure they have incredible life experiences. So we're always on the go. We're always moving. We're always running here and there. And, and, and let me tell you what's going to happen. Someday you're going to get a wake-up call. And you're going to realize, I have not been investing all that much in my kid relationally. And listen, if you're in education or a principal or work at a school, you've seen this. Mom and dad don't have much time for little Caitlin. But little Caitlin gets in trouble at school and the teacher calls home. All of a sudden, mom and dad immediately start defending Caitlin and cursing the teacher and threatening to bring a lawyer into the situation to protect little Caitlin. 
See, we compensate by overreacting and protecting our kids from the consequences of their behavior when in fact the real problem is we haven't invested in them relationally all that much. And if that's not you, you know, maybe you're the parent that goes to the other extreme by overreacting. Maybe little Caitlin gets in trouble and you put the clamps down on little Caitlin and you put all these restrictions into her life where she can't move. Restrictions really don't work. Short term, they'll work maybe to change or modify a behavior, but long term restrictions don't work. And I know you're doubting what I'm saying, so think about it this way. Now you're an adult. You're not sitting here thinking, you know, it all changed for me after my dad took my phone for a week. You're not thinking that, are you? You're not sitting here going, yeah, I really started to straighten out my life after I was grounded for two weeks and had to rake leaves in the yard. We're not saying that. But regardless, we either overreact or we underreact because we unintentionally get caught up in making sure that our kids have every single life experience at the detriment of their relationships. So over the next couple of weeks, what I want to do is I want to look at how we can build healthy relationships in our children. And today we're going to look at the relationships that every kid needs to have. But as we, as we move forward in this series, I want to make sure we're on the same page as far as uh, the goal, if you will, or one of the goals, major goals of parenting. And contrary to popular belief, the, the goal of parenting is not to get your kids out of the house as quick as possible. Though that's pretty nice. Hope my kids aren't in here. That's not the goal. The goal of parenting is not to simply build your kids' self-esteem so they feel like they're in charge or they're the king or the queen of the home. The goal of parenting is not to learn new techniques and new uh, ways to negotiate with our kids. Here's the goal of parenting. And anytime I talk about parenting or or kids, you're going to hear me say this. Learning number two, our goal as parents is to make our kids responsible adults. Your job as a parent is to make your children responsible adults so that they can handle the world on their own when you're not around. So let's talk about these relationships that I think every kid needs. Number one, they need a relationship with God. And I know what some of you are thinking, oh, great, God. Every time I come here, he talks about God, (laughs) right? And I know that we're not all on the same page spiritually. Some of you are still checking out the claims of God and the claims of Christ, and I get that. But what's the other option? Are we going to raise our kids without any influence whatsoever of God? As parents, we should want to teach and train our kids as much about God as possible, because here's what's going to happen. Your kid's going to develop a worldview. And every single decision your kid makes is going to be filtered through that worldview they've developed from a very young age. And let me tell you, if you don't want to filter, help them with that worldview with God, the world's going to set their worldview Teachers and professors are going to try to set their worldview. 
Politicians are going to try to set their worldview. Their friends and the people they hang out with are going to try to set their worldview. So we might as well as parents and grandparents influence our children while we have the chance and raise them in homes that are centered around the Lord. That's what we talk about in child dedication. Well, it's basically a commitment from the parents that I'm going to raise my kid in a Christ-centered home so that hopefully someday they invite Christ into our life. So they're going to have a worldview regardless. We should want that worldview to be influenced by God. So when it comes to kids, we have to build a foundation, a godly foundation in them. Right? And Jesus talks about foundations in Matthew chapter 7. And I love this passage and I want to read it to you right now. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So Jesus is saying there's two types of foundations. One has God, one doesn't have God. One of them's really easy to build. The other one takes some time. And I get when your kids are young, you know, it it doesn't really seem to matter at first what kind of foundation you build. But here's what's going to happen. Your child is going to become an adult. And your child's going to go through storms in life. And you are not going to be there to sweep them up and carry them off to safety. And if we're constantly building the foundation on experiences, you know, captain of the cheerleading squad, wearing name brand clothes, getting the good grades, being a part of the club. We're setting them up for a huge fall. So here's a question that we have to ask and as parents and even grandparents, and it's a question that you're not going to want to ask, but I want you just to ask it to yourself and I want you to kind of reflect. You're not given a verbal answer, but what are you doing? What are you doing to influence your child or your grandchild's relationship with God? Not what is the church doing. Don't look at the church. What's what's the youth program doing? What's the kids program doing? What are you doing to influence your kids' relationship with God? We have them an hour, maybe two hours at best each work, each week. That's a responsibility as parents that we have to raise our kids and teach our kids about God. So what is it that you're doing to influence your child's relationship with their heavenly father? Saying a prayer at bedtime is great and reading a Bible story at bedtime is great. But what else are you doing to advance that relationship with their heavenly father? So that when they go off, to college, or they go join the military, or they go to community college, or get a job right out of high school, that they have a foundation about God, or even possibly have a relationship with Christ. Listen, if you're a parent, and your kid accepts Christ, 
You've done everything possible to set that child up for success in this world. You've done more for them than you could ever do. So, so what, what are things we can do practically to influence that relationship with God? Obviously, bring them to church is one of those things, right? The pattern in the scripture was families, you, you know, they worshiped together. And, I, and I've heard the argument, some people say, well, I don't want to turn them off to God. Listen, if your kid's not here with you at church, newsflash, they're already turned off to God. And, and, and people say, well, you could, you could risk damaging a kid's faith by forcing them to go to church. I totally disagree. Are we going to let them get that worldview from the world and people all around them? No. We want to have an influence of God in their life. So one of the things we can do is we can bring them to church and bring them to those things during the week that they have for kids or one of the groups like Trail Life and American Heritage Girls that are teaching the same things we're trying to teach on Sundays. What else can we do as, as parents? We need to help them to see what a relationship, a healthy relationship with Jesus looks like. In other words, we need to model our relationship with Jesus in front of them. We need to be consistent in our relationship with Christ. We need to be obedient to Christ and show them what obedience looks like. So uh, obedience with our, our time and our treasure and our prayer time and, and, and how we treat our husband and how we treat our wife. The problem is, and, and guilty as charged, a lot of times we don't live a consistent life when it comes to our relationship with Christ. And that inconsistency, it sends mixed messages to our kids. That's the greatest, that's the easiest thing you could do. The greatest thing you could do for your kid is live a consistent life when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. I love when I see parents sacrificing whatever they want to do for the sake of their kid's relationship with the Lord. I see parents, you know, making sure they're bringing their kids to youth or to church on Sundays or, or some of those other groups. But I also see parents and kids serving side by side in different ministries, or I see parents serving in their kids' um, classroom or serving in the, the youth area. I see other people serving with kids. We sure make sacrifices to make sure they're at football practice on time. Coach isn't going to accept it if they're late, right? We make sure they get all their assignments turned in. And if they're an officer in school or in a club, we make sure they do their duties. And that's fine. But we need to make those same, if not more, sacrifices when it comes to their relationship with the Lord. So learning number three, we need to make more sacrifices for our kids so they come to know God personally. You're never going to force anybody to accept Christ. But if you build that foundation like Jesus talked about, and you have a Christ-centered home, and you live a consistent life in front of Christ, chances are your kids are going to come to grow up and to know who Jesus is. Another relationship that's super important for our kids, relationship with God and their relationship with us, their parents. Even if you're not still married to the person you had the child with, 95% of the time that person should still be involved in that kid's life as well. And I know there's circumstances that doesn't just, that just doesn't work, but what are we doing as parents to influence our relationship with our kids, right? How, how do we communicate with them? How do we 
lead them? How do we train them? How do we guide them? You know, most of the time we're communicating with our kids, we're telling them what they've done wrong. We need to look for those things that our kids do right and, and point those things out. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That's a proverb. Proverbs 22, 6. That's not a guarantee. But what that's saying is if we raise our kids in a Christ-centered home, and even when they get out of the house, if they stray from it, chances are they are going to come back to it. You know the best way to influence your kids? It's with your time. It's with your time. Spend time with them. We got to spend time with them if we're going to train them and influence them and guide them, lead them and direct them and look for ways to compliment them on things they do good. Hey, Tommy, you did a great job doing the dishes tonight. I'm really proud of you. Susie, the way you gutted that deer, it impressed me so much. Whatever it is, look for ways to tell them the positive things that they're doing. And the third relationship that's important for every kid to have is a relationship with others. People outside of our family unit, extended family, peers, people they work with, teachers, coaches. What are we doing to influence and enhance those relationships? Because as a parent, you have a say. Proverbs thirteen twenty: walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. 1 Corinthians 15, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Anybody that's a parent or a grandparent knows these verses are gospel. These verses are absolutely the truth. We use one of them in child dedication. You hang out with fools, you're going to become a fool. You hang out with bad company, they're eventually going to corrupt your character. So we need to have some influence over the people that are hanging out with our kids. That's why I am so thankful for the volunteers in our youth program and in our kids program here at the church. And then those groups that are outside of Sunday mornings, the, the growth groups that are available for our kids, because those volunteers, you know what they're doing? They're teaching and reinforcing the same things that we're trying to teach and reinforce in the home. So we are influencing our kids in these three areas already. In the relationship with God, the relationship with us, and the relationship with other people. We're either doing it intentionally or unintentionally. We're either doing it well or we're doing it poorly. But we're already influencing our children, every single one of us, in these three areas. So let me tell you what's going what's to happen. Someday, your kid is going to grow up and become an adult. And someday, they're going to be sifting through the garbage of their life. They're going to be sifting through the baggage and the problems of their life. And you know what they're not going to say? Oh, this all started because we didn't go to the beach one more time. They're not going to say that. So this week, and, and really for the rest of our lives as parents, as grandparents, even if we don't have kids, our influence on kids, let's start being intentional about focusing in on these relationships with our kids. Let's work hard at making our kids' relationship experiences incredible and not worry so much 
about the life experiences. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for children, for the gift of life. Lord, help us to influence these relationships we've talked about today, especially their relationship with you. Lord, help us to be consistent in our walk with you. Lord, we would pray for every parent, every grandparent, everybody who is regularly with children, that you would help them to build these relationships. Lord, the amazing thing about you is you never give up on us. When we're kids, when we're adults, when we're in our old age, you don't give up on us. And we would pray for these people's children and grandchildren that they would come to know who you are as Lord and Savior. Lord, that you would keep calling them until they come to you. God, help us this week to be intentional about these relationships and our kids. Thank you for entrusting us with, really, these are your children. You've just given us permission to raise them for 18, 19, 20 years. Or you've given us the opportunity to to influence kids in a positive way. And for that, we thank you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as we finish up, just wanted to let you know there is a group at the church. Our blood drive growth group is having a blood drive on October the 13th. If you're one of those frequent donors, uh, blood is always needed in our area. You can stop by their table and sign up on your way out. I I hope today's been beneficial to you. Even though my kids are older, it's still a great reminder to me. It's been beneficial to me. Uh, We're all learning. But when you learn, you can also adjust, right? And you can change course and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start focusing on this. So this week, pay attention to those relationships. Thanks for being here. I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon. God bless you guys.